Good morning, everybody. Good to see everybody here. Hey, uh, this past week, uh, my wife and I, Tista, celebrated our 31st anniversary, so that was really good, a good moment. Good news, we're still in love. That's, that's just, just in case anybody wondered. But you know, anniversaries are always, you know, they always have that, that, little, bit of an, uh, that little bit of anxiety that you might forget. I mean, even, and especially the older you get, right? I mean, you can forget, you know, those of you who've been married 60, 65 years, you know, it's a lot of years that go by. And the ironic thing about forgetting is that an anniversary is something that you celebrate to remember, to remember something special about how you came together, to remember your love together. So here we are, we're on our 31st anniversary. And uh, I, back in the day when we got married, uh, we had Tisa's dad generously provided one of those, the original like VHS cameras. So we have the whole thing like videoed. And so I had it put onto DVD and I thought this will be really cool, we'll watch this. And so we were talking on that day, we didn't have any particular plans and said, hey, what do you wanna do? And uh, I said, hey, well I have the wedding video, you know, we, that I put on the DVD and we could watch that together. And Tisa's like, well, that sounds pretty good. I was thinking of going to see the Jason Bourne movie. And, <laughs> that's why I love her. <laughs> and so we ended up deciding, let's watch, you know, the wedding video and fast forward through the boring parts and then go and see the Jason Bourne movie. And that's what we did. We had a great time. But you know, it was cool to watch and look back and reflect back 31 years and look at you know, some of the special vows that we said to each other and just remembering how God brought us together. When we celebrate communion, which we're gonna do today, we're remembering something. We're looking back in time and we're remembering that love God had for us in giving his one and only son on the cross. And it's a time to remember, and we're going to remember today as we look at uh, Mark's gospel in chapter 14, and we're going to continue in the series that we're in, and we're going to look at that, reflect on that a bit this morning. So um, let me just kind of set up Mark 14. If you have a Bible, open it to that right now. But let me set that up for us, is that uh, they're ready to kind of embark on, on receiving this Passover meal. And Jesus is going to institute what we now call the, the Lord's Supper, or what we call communion. And it's, uh, it's something that God gave us to help us remember him always, to remember his love and to remember what he did for us on the cross. Jesus had already predicted his own death. He had already made his triumphal entry on the back of a donkey with people shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. He cleared the temple of the money changers. He'd been involved in a series of conflicts, you remember, with the religious elite, where they were upset with him to the point where they wanted to uh, conspire and have him put to death. He's observed, uh, as Scott talked about last week, the, the, the uh, widow offering the two small coins and Jesus saying that she gave more than all of the others put together. The religious leaders are now plotting to kill Jesus. The cross is coming very near at this point. And the time of Jesus' earthly life will soon come to an end. So the Passover feast is at hand. And Jesus 
sends two of his disciples out with some coded instructions to find a man carrying a water pot. And that man then will lead them to a room in which they will celebrate the Passover together, which will be the last big meal that Jesus enjoys with his disciples. And the disciples, they complete the elaborate details that go into setting up a Passover meal, slaughtering of the lamb, preparing unleavened bread, uh, providing salt water, bitter herbs, spicy paste, and four cups of wine on the table, all ready and set for this particular meal. Judas had decided in his heart that he would betray Jesus over to the religious leaders, and Jesus' life is in danger. And so there's this, this sense of impending end that's there for Jesus. And that's where we pick up today. In verse 22, Mark chapter 14. Let's read it together. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And then he took a cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Jesus took bread, and he... He blessed it, and then he broke it, and he gave it. This is pretty spongy bread. <laughs> it's breaking. There we go. And then he gave it away. He took the bread, and he blessed the bread, and then he broke the bread, and he gave it. Henry Nguyen, in his, in his book, called uh, The Life of the Beloved, really uh, talks about this those four words. And I want to talk about those four words as well this, this morning. To take something, to choose something, to choose you, to take you. And then <coughs> to be blessed, and to be broken, and then to be given. See, those four words represent the life of Jesus. They represent his ministry. They represent what he did for us. And those four words represent you and I. They represent our life, that we are taken by God, that we are blessed by God, that we are broken by him, and that we are given to the world. And what I want you to do as you kind of think about today before you come up and receive communion, is to think about one of those four words. One of those four words, taken, blessed, broken, given. And I'm gonna talk about those throughout this, this message, but I want you to be asking God through this time, Lord, which one of those kind of resonate with me this morning? Which one of those really speak to me about where I am in my journey with you today. Because that's what we want to talk about. Jesus often did that, uh, that very same thing as you look at the different stories uh, of bread in the Gospels. When he fed the 5,000, you'll remember he took bread, those five loaves, those two fish, and he blessed it and he gave it. Or when he did the same thing with the crowd of 4,000, and he took the bread and he blessed it 
and he gave it. See, our lives are very similar to that. So let me just start with the word taken. Maybe a better word for that would be given. Given, that you are taken for God. Do you believe that you are chosen for him? You know, when someone gets engaged, uh, that those two people now are off the market, right? Those two people, I would say, no, she's taken. She's chosen. She's now mine. She belongs to me. And that's what God says about you. That God says you are chosen. That I've seen you from all eternity. And I formed you in your mother's womb. You are no mistake. You belong to me. I want you. You are unique. You are special. There is nobody like you on the planet. You are my masterpiece. And I think about how hard that is for us to believe that. I mean, those sound, those sound like great words, but isn't it hard to believe that about yourself? That that's what God sees when he looks at you as someone unique and special that is perfect in his sight, that he designed and formed and made and fashioned, and that you have a unique place to play in his story as it unfolds. God says, you are my beloved, and in you I am well pleased. Some of us need to receive that this morning because it's in receiving that chosenness, that you are chosen, you have been taken for God, that it doesn't create in you some exclusive mentality that I'm chosen, I'm special, others aren't. No, it does the exact opposite. What it does is when you realize how you are chosen, it helps you to see the chosenness of others, that others are important to God. And so it gives you the ability to help others see that within themselves. Ephesians chapter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Marianne Bird, in her, in her uh, book, The Whisper Test, she illustrates this thought well as she describes an experience that she had while she was young and in school, in elementary school. She had this teacher, and here's what she wrote. I grew up knowing I was different. I hated it. I was born with a cleft palate, and when I started school, my classmates made it clear to me how I, how I looked to others. A little girl with a misshapen lip, crooked nose, lopsided teeth, and garbled speech. When schoolmates asked, what happened to your lip? I'd tell them, well, I've fallen and cut myself on a piece of glass. Somehow it just seemed more acceptable to have suffered an accident than to have been born different. I was convinced that no one outside of my family could ever love me. There was a teacher in the second grade we all adored. Her name was Mrs. Leonard, a sparkling personality. Annually, we had this hearing test, and Mrs. Leonard gave the hearing test to everyone in the class, and finally, it was my turn. Well, I knew from past years that as we stood there against the door and covered one ear, the teacher sitting at the desk would whisper something, and we would have to repeat it back to her. Things like, the sky is blue. Do you have new shoes? I waited there for those words, similar 
to what God must have put into Miss Leonard's mouth, those seven words that changed my life. Miss Leonard said in her whisper, I wish you were my little girl. I wish you were mine. I choose you. You suddenly discover when you hear those words over your own life from the, from the whisper of the Holy Spirit, that you've been chosen, that you belong to him, that he wants you, that you're not a mistake. And that's why when we look at others who are far from God, it's not that they're far from God, they're going to hell, it's that they're missing out on the chosenness, on the specialness of what it means to know that you're in relationship with a God who loves you, that you've been taken for God. You've been loved to the core unconditionally. And the fact is that knowing that changes your life. It changes you. It helps you to start forgiving others in ways that you had a hard time before. It helps you see that you've been forgiven because God loves you. Some of you are here this morning and you've never embraced that fact that you are chosen. You have been taken by God. You need to do that today before you come up and receive communion because communion celebrates that fact. Communion celebrates the fact that Jesus took the bread and he takes you and he forgives you. That's what he's done on the cross. Embrace that. Receive that today. And then as you receive that your own chosenness, you're able to help others see it in themselves as well. You are chosen by God, loved, wanted, noticed, not forgotten, adopted into his family. All right, the second word is blessed. He blessed the bread. And God chooses you, yes, but he also blesses you with his spirit. He blesses you with redemption, with adoption, with acceptance, with forgiveness, with grace, with every heavenly blessing that there is. In Latin, uh, the word benediction, where we get our word bless, bene means good things and uh, dictio means to say it. God is saying good things about you. God is saying good things, doing good things in your life. Can you see it? Have you received it? It's more than just, you know, we use the word bless in such a trite way, like when someone sneezes, we go, God bless you. We wonder if he actually will. In my life group, we've been talking about blessing because we've been going through a, a book and a video series by John Ortberg called Soul Keeping. And Ortberg says this, in his book, he says, blessing is not just a word. Blessing is the projection of good into the life of another. It's the projection of good into the life of another that God is projecting good into your life. He's not against you, he's for you. And he blesses us. Your soul is being blessed by God because it's the soul that receives blessing. I mean, we don't bless the mind, we don't bless the body per se, we bless the soul. The psalmist said, bless my soul. We crave our heavenly Father to speak blessing into our lives. Those of you who've been through Rooted, over 500 of you, 
You remember on the very last week, we do something called the prophetic blessing time, and it's, it's the longest of all of them, right? And the reason for that is because blessing takes time. Blessing is when you look at somebody in the eye, you've premeditated truthful things, good things, right things, things that speak hope and healing and wholeness into somebody's life, and you speak that in intentionally. And often what you'll find, and it's happened to me as well, is tears will begin to flow. Because there's something about when your soul is blessed by others and blessed by God, it breaks down the defenses and it helps you receive something that you've been longing for. We all long for that. We long for blessing. We long for God's blessing. And when you're blessed, you're also able to bring blessing to others and be a blessing to other people. I love that. Did you know you can bless God? We, we were just singing about that earlier, right? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, that you can bring blessing to God as you speak good things back to God because he's speaking good things to you. If you're a parent, did you know your kids crave your blessing? I'm not talking about, hey, have a good day. Hey, you're really good at that. Compliments. I'm talking about something much deeper than that, where you have that face-to-face -face time and you, you inject something into their soul. You speak something in. You pour something in about them that's true and right and good and awesome. In essence, we gather together as a church, don't we? To bless God and to bless one another. Jesus was blessed by his father. When he was baptized, remember the spirit of God came and descended upon him and that voice came from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom my favor rests. God would say that to you and me today as well. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son in whom my favor rests. We're blessed, but we're also broken. Jesus was broken for our sake on the cross. He was beaten, tortured, crucified, blood poured out, and sins rested upon him. He was broken on my behalf and on your behalf on the cross. When I look at my own life and I listen to the stories of others, what I realize is that a lot of my brokenness is in the area in the realm of relationships. You know, we live in a fallen world. This world is not perfect. And if we're honest, each one of us have an area of brokenness within ourself. It might be physical, it might be emotional, it might be a mental thing. It, it, it could be something relational. Husbands and wives often experience the brokenness in their marriage. Friends you thought would be there for you forever end up rejecting you or turning their back on you. Or you feel it deep within yourself, the hurt and the disappointment. Or you look at your past and you see your upbringing and you go, it's created brokenness in me and I don't know if I'll ever be fully healed. And can I just say something? We live in this culture of, of fix it yourself, don't we? Self-help, I'll work on me for the rest of my life. And not all of that's bad by any means. I mean, there's some things you can address and you can fix. There are some things though that only God can fix in you. 
And there are some things that will not be fixed until heaven. There's a cross that each one of us are called to carry that's unique and custom designed for you. It's not a cross that you made per se. It's a cross that, that you carry. Jesus said, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. There's an identification with Jesus when we take our cross, that area of brokenness in our life, and we name it, and we receive it, and we own it. And we walk with it with a measure of joy knowing that we're identifying with Jesus. I'm not saying it's fun. It's hard. And some of the crosses that I know some of you are carrying are much harder than any of the ones I have to carry. And yet, there's something about being broken and having the courage to own it, and to not deny it, to not minimize it, and to not chronically complain about it, but to embrace it and say, this is a cross that Jesus has given me, this area of my brokenness. John Wimber said, never trust a leader who doesn't walk with a limp. We all walk with a limp to some degree. Some of us are more maybe aware of it than others. Your cross to carry. Ann Boskamp, great writer, um, she said this in a way that only she can. She said this brokenness, this cracked life, this damaged family, yes, we are broken, but not discarded. Cracked, but not rejected. Damaged, but not junked. We are the broken, and yet we are incomprehensibly, unfathomably the beloved. So I accept it, embrace it. We are the broken, and yet we are gathered and beloved, his special possession, the broken ones to whom he draws near. Jesus was taken, he was blessed, he was broken, and he was given. He was given to the world. And that's God's plan for every one of us, is to be given away. That, it's not a call to success, being successful, it's a call to being fruitful. He said, unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, see, it brings forth a, a fruitfulness in others. God has called you and me, not to ourselves, to build our own little kingdom. He has called us to be broken and given to the world. Have you seen that? Have you owned that? That you play a part in God's redemptive plan in the world that he wants to give you away at school, give you away at work, give you away in your family, give you away to those who are far from God and need to know him. When we give love away, we end up having more. When we give out of our lack, we tap into God's abundance. Bread represents life and health and wholeness. And that's why Jesus said, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. And if anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. <coughs> You're taken. You're blessed. You're broken for an express purpose to be given away to others. Which one of those words do you best identify with this morning? I mean, all four of them encapsulate your life as a Christian and, and help, help define kind of our journey in this life. Definitely, they point to Jesus and his life. 
But one of those words, I'm going to ask you before you come up and receive communion to own them. And maybe it's in the area of your chosenness and being taken for God. That some have never really owned that, declared that, and said, yes, God, you died on the cross for me. For me. For me individually. Not just for the world at large. And today, I'm receiving that. That I've been chosen by you. That I am unique and special, though I don't feel that way. Lord, that is what you call me, and I receive that from you today. So that now I can begin to see the chosenness in others. Or for others, maybe it has to, to do with being blessed. That God is speaking good things to you. And he wants you then to receive it first. And then to give it out to others. To be a blesser of people. Or perhaps it has to do with being broken. An area of brokenness that you've despised. You've hated, you've denied, you've hid from, you've ran from, or you've tried to fix it on your own. And God is saying, just embrace the brokenness. I don't reject brokenness. He understands brokenness. He loves us. And he says that as you embrace that area of your life, wholeness will come through it. Or, or maybe it has to do with giving. Giving your life away. Giving to God's kingdom. Being used of God. Letting his spirit flow through you to bless others, to be used of him. Taken, blessed, broken, given. Which one of those would the spirit of God whisper to your spirit this morning? Well, we're going to sing a couple more songs. And while we do, I'm going to ask you to just remain in your seats, to not come forward yet. But to ask God as you're singing, as you're worshiping, as we're blessing him, would you ask him, Lord, which one of those are for me today? And then as you come up, which I'll, I'll prompt you on that later, I'll come back up to pray for us. Um, then what I'm going to ask you to do is take the bread and as you dip it in the juice, in the cup, I'm going to ask you to declare that word, I'm chosen, I'm blessed, broken. I'm given. And that's going to be our response to God today. And we're going to trust that he is going to do something powerful in each one of us. So, Lord, would you do that? Speak to each person here. Speak to me. Help us to hear your voice today. We've come here for a purpose, Lord. And we're asking that you make this time very meaningful, very deep, and life-changing for each one of us as we listen to you. Let's do that as we worship right now. Well, we thank you so much for finding North Church Sermons Online, and we hope that the message today brought value and enrichment to your life. If you'd like to participate in the giving of this ministry, there's a couple of easy ways for you to do that. You can text the word NORTH to 77977 and receive a text back and get your online giving set up in under 60 seconds. Or else you can visit us online at northchurch.net and click on Give Online and participating in the things that God's doing right here at North Church. We thank you so much for joining us. God bless.